grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel of Luke, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if I were to ask you, what are the most important things that people should know about what you believe, what would you say? Think about that. We live in a world where every person's truth can be different and even contradict someone else's truth. So what is so special about your truth? I'll just go ahead and answer that part for you. My truth matters. Because my truth isn't just my truth. It is the truth. Because it has to do with the one who is the truth. Who is the life. Who is the way. The way where? The way to eternal life. Why do I need eternal life? Because you're a sinner. How is that that I'm a sinner? Well, at the beginning of the world, our original parents, Adam and Eve, ate the fruit that God told them not to eat. And their disobedience to God resulted in sin entering the world. Sin that has been passed down to every single person ever. And sin results in some terrible consequences. Physical death and also eternal death. That's hell, punishment, suffering, forever being separated from God. Boy, that's depressing. You're right. It's awful news. That's why Jesus had to come to this earth to be 100% God and 100% man, so that he could obey God's commands perfectly, never once sinning, but also so that he could sacrifice his life for ours, dying on the cross, the death that we deserve, taking all of our sin and punishment and hell. Wow, that's cool, but why would he do that for me? Because he loves you. And he wants you to be in heaven with him for all eternity. And he rose from the dead showing that he did defeat sin, death, and the devil. And that the promise is that all who believe in him will have eternal life. Wow, that's great news. But it's not true. And the conversation was going so well. But being ready to share those things at any moment is something that is important for each and every one of us. Because that's what being a witness is. And it's something that all of us are called to do. And a witness is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it refers to the person who can speak to the truth of something because of personal knowledge of something that's in question. Or it's the actual truth being told. A witness is a person's testimony. As a verb, witnessing is instructing and strengthening believers, which we get from Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
the words that God has given to us, we teach them to others. And not just to our family, but to those who are in the world, so that they may also believe. But practically speaking, it's not usually as easy as that little conversation I gave you. Because there are plenty of people in the world who are not interested at all in what you have to say about Jesus. So the moment you bring him up is the moment the conversation ends. You heard in the New Testament reading from 2 Timothy that people will not endure sound teaching and they will turn away from listening to the truth. So what do you do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. First of all, I'd encourage you to jump into our Everyone His Witness workshops because that's where you're really going to get the best information about what witnessing is about and what it looks like in your life. However, we will talk about some of those things in worship. So I'll start by answering the what do you do question by taking you all the way back to the 90s. They seem like yesterday, but it was over 20 years ago. There was this hot trend across the world where if you weren't wearing one as a Christian, it basically meant that you weren't a Christian at all. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many Christian fashion trends have there ever been? Right? I'm talking, of course, about the WWJD bracelet or the What Would Jesus Do bracelet. So, the idea was that whatever situation you might be in life, you could ask yourself, what would Jesus do? It actually took me a little while to find this one, and I haven't worn it in probably 15 years. Not as trendy as it used to be, I guess. But maybe it's time to resurrect it. Because when we talk about being a witness and how we do it, and what it looks like, we need to go to the source of where witnessing begins and ends. And that's with Jesus, the faithful witness who came to bear witness to himself and who is the ultimate witness of God's love, mercy, and grace in his death and resurrection. And that is what also brings us to what would Jesus do? And to answer the question of what would Jesus do, we have to look at what Jesus did do. In our gospel reading for today, we find the boy Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, going to Jerusalem at Passover with his parents, as was customary for Jews to do, remembering the things that God had done for the people of Israel, specifically in the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. So here you see that Jesus' parents obviously followed Deuteronomy 6 as good parents and taught this custom to Jesus. Then, as we know, they leave after it's over and they lose track of Jesus. And three days later, they find him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening, asking questions, and even answering some. Jesus, the word of God incarnate, the word made flesh sits 
and discusses the word with others, which really means he's sitting and talking about himself, even though the people don't realize it, though they are all amazed at his answers. Surprise! The people are amazed at Jesus' answers about himself. I mean, it's easy to look at it from our perspective, but the reality is the Jews probably never met someone like Jesus who was so young and had so many great answers. That's why they're wowed. And they got three days of this. But this was all part of growing up for Jesus. Because as Luke tells us, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus, as a man, as a boy, learned things just like all of us did by sitting before teachers, by hearing what they have to say, by asking questions and answering theirs. Now, this is worth noting for us in our own lives. It's good for us to sit and learn from teachers because how can you discuss the word with others unless you know it? I mean, if you wanted to, say, win a swimming race, right? Well, let's just say you're going to do the 100-meter the butterfly. I mean, you would begin by stepping into the water, into the pool first, probably with a bathing suit on, right? Not just your full set of clothes. You'd probably want to actually know how to swim first, maybe learn how to hold your breath underwater, and then you'd want to know how to do the butterfly stroke if that's the race you were in and then practice it and get better at it. You wouldn't just show up to the race, never stepping foot in a pool before, and expect to win. It's not going to happen. It would then reason that if we wanted to learn how to be witnesses, we don't just go out and start witnessing. We actually have to know what it means to witness, to be a witness. If you want to grow in wisdom and in your faith in order to witness, you have to show up. You have to come to church, be fed by the word, the sacrament. Join us online, come to Bible study, ask questions, talk to the pastors. That's what the boy Jesus was doing in the temple. Now here's something for you to think about. In all of the years that you've been attending church, how many of you have actually asked questions of the pastors? And if not, is it because you don't have any questions? Doubtful. Because you think you know more than me? It's entirely possible. Because you think that there's not anything worth learning about more? Highly unlikely. Or maybe this just isn't something you really care about all that much. But understand this, this is the most important thing we can care about. Because this is eternity that we are talking about. And not just for ourselves, but for the whole world. You can't just open the Bible and understand everything in it. We see that in Acts chapter 8. Philip has a conversation with an Ethiopian eunuch who is reading from the book of Isaiah, but doesn't understand what he's reading because no one has explained it to him. So what does Philip do? He reveals that the passage from Isaiah speaks about Jesus and what Jesus did for this man. 
That part of witnessing is what we most often think about, the actual telling people about Jesus. But what everyone has witnessed shows us is that witnessing is more than just talking about Jesus. In fact, it uses this acronym for all of the things you do in witnessing. And the first one doesn't involve talking at all. The acronym is LASSIE, and it stands for Listen, Ask, Seek, Share, Invite, Encourage. What everyone is witness is going to build on is the fact that witnessing takes place in the context of real relationships. You are spending time getting to know someone. Remember, Pastor Brad talked last week about how Jesus was inefficiently effective because so much of his time was spent with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. It seems inefficient for us because we want results in as little time as possible. We want to get as much done in as little amount of time as there is. But God's plan and timing is perfect. When I think about the life of Jesus that is contained in God's word and what we don't have included, the stories that we don't hear about, I bet the majority of them would be stories of Jesus spending more and more time with those people. Him sitting and listening to them. Just like as the boy Jesus listened in the temple to the teachers. Yet now, as an adult, the greatest teacher sits and listens to his children. So in Lassie, the first one is to listen. What did Jesus do? He sat and listened. What do we do? We sit and we listen. We sit with people, our friends, our family, and we listen to them about who they are, about their cares and concerns, what's on their heart and their mind, the things that are going on in their life. There's the old quote that we have two ears and one mouth so that we should listen twice as much as we speak. Or as James writes, we all should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, this is something that's very hard for some of you. Active listening, actually listening. Because listening means you're not thinking about what you're going to say next. You're not thinking about how you can solve somebody's problem if, in fact, they have a problem. You're being present with them. You're putting yourself in their shoes, trying to grasp what they are actually going through in life. You're understanding who they are, where they come from, as if you were them. Only when you understand where a person is at can you respond appropriately. That also means you don't just jump to conclusions. You don't interrupt them. You don't try and finish their sentence or thought or answer a question before a question is even asked. You talk when necessary when a question is asked of you, and you get to know the person for who they are. You be their friend. You love them, because you have first been loved by the greatest friend of sinners, Jesus. And again, none of this is easy. None of this comes naturally for any of us. We're all sinners, and so we need help. And Jesus has given us the helper, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, who bears witness about Christ and works faith in us 
to strengthen that faith so that we can grow in wisdom and stature to keep us in his word, to give us the words to say and to work the fruit of faith in us. Fruits like love and kindness and gentleness and self-control and patience. All things needed in our personal relationships with people. Because as you might know, sometimes people in relationships are hard. If you don't think that's true, go look in a mirror. People are hard. I'm one of them. And some people, maybe it's even yourself, have not grown into the mature, proper adults God would have them be. So what would Jesus do? He'd love me. He'd give up his life for me. He did, and he does. And he does love you. And he has given up his life for you. And he helps you to live for him. That is the truth. God's truth. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. God, your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.